This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right. It is A's cast live from the field as we're getting you ready for the Athletics and the Rays. Game one of a three-game set. The last three games of this homestand for the A's, which has been a long homestand and a long time in the Bay Area. If you've been following what's been going on with the A's as they were at home against Baltimore for four, then at home against Texas for three, day off, then they had the Giants across the bay, which is home because everybody's, whether you got, you're renting a place or you're staying at a hotel, you got where you're staying, and then you got another day off, and then you just had three against Cleveland. Unfortunately, the A's were swept in those three. But you've had a lot of time to get situated, to get ready for the rest of the season. And now it's time to take on the Rays before you're going to have a day off and head out on a nice seven-game. Actually, it's an eight-game road trip. And do you know why? Good afternoon, Commander, Commander Cody. I do because I looked at the uh, the schedule. I believe one of the, the doubleheaders in Detroit, the A's are actually the home team for one of them because of the rescheduled game from the opening series. That really is a non-factor in my life. I know, but... That's just a reality that that is a... Um, but Tuesday's a doubleheader. Because I'm looking at the schedule and I just saw, I'm like, five games, how's that possible? Oh, my God, it's a doubleheader. Does that mean I'm working both games? Uh, that be Yes. First, can't, I can't wait for that. And they're not seven innings. Uh, no, I think first pitch is 10-10. This is where I would like to go punch. Whoever said and canceled seven-inning doubleheaders, I'd like to punch them. And be like, it's a bit know, aggressive. Yeah, yeah, no. So just so they understand, when I got to work for fourteen hours or what it'll end up being, um, it is their fault. Oh, because that's not baseball. Who said baseball had to be nine innings? Who made that? When did that become? Is that in the Constitution? Uh, is that in the Bill of Rights? I thought you were going to go full Jim Harbaugh, Tim Kawakami. It's in the Constitution, Tim. Is that in the Constitution? <laughs> it's got to be nine. There is no. There is nothing that says. A basketball game, hockey game, football game, baseball game has to be X amount, whatever. It's all fluid and should be able to be changed. I will say this. There are times in a season where you got to go a little bit of a gut check time. And for a lot of teams, you can go, eh, it's early. It's like the Larry David commercial going on now uh, for Bitcoin. Yeah. uh, Where all the stuff that's been great throughout time, he's back in time. Yeah, I don't like the idea. Well, you know, a lot of people I could, you know, you could easily say, hey, Townsend, it's early. We can't be worried about any of that. It's just, it's early. 
You know what? You just keep your head down. You know, you got to wait two months. You got to wait till then before you really evaluate. Nah, I'm going to say that doesn't work for this team. Well, there, well, I, I can throw this in real quick. This is a, le- a league-wide perspective. It's early, but the Braves are six games behind the Mets and the NL East. It's early. The Reds are three and nineteen. Can you <laughs> give me Larry David from that commercial? That yeah. I can I can get it. Uh, okay, yeah. Okay. Because because instead of me doing it and being annoying, I'm, I mean I, I'm a, I'm a big Curb Your Enthusiasm fan. So so the A's are ten and twelve. Okay, that's nothing to freak out about. It's not great. Nothing to freak out about though. The A's right now are four games behind. Wow, the loss yesterday. Four games behind the Angels. Are those updated because the Angels lost today? Uh, I would say it's probably not. So three and a half then? So let me go to MLB.com and do it. This was just off ESPN. I was trying to do it. Uh, If you don't know, when you're down here on the field at the Coliseum, uh, Wi-Fi isn't the greatest. And it doesn't update as fast as uh, you'd like it to, but I'll go to the standings here on MLB.com because they update them pretty fast. Whatever, whether it's four, three and and a half. half. I I, I don't know. I'm just assuming because the Angels lost earlier today. Okay, so if they're three and a half, so it's not freak out time, right? Ten and 12, three and a half back. Angels pitching will – Angels are exciting, no question, when they're on or when I know they're on. I'll put it on my computer, or if I got it uh, on my uh, TV at home, uh, Trout's back to being Trout. Otani's super electric. He's one of the most exciting players I've ever seen in my life. And um, Rendon is a awful contract that is going to be their new Justin Upton, uh, Josh Hamilton. Uh, Rend- Rendon is the new bad contract for the Angels. The Angels, are it's like they're always going to be known for a bad contract. Uh, Albert Pujols. All right, let me see. C.J. Wilson. Don't forget C.J. Wilson. Was it that bad? I mean, it was a lot of money, but was he that five, bad? Was it, yeah, what was he? Five for 77 was the deal, I think. Uh, I could C.J. Wilson. Let's see. I don't now, know if I can throw that in with the $200 million. Yeah, true. Let's see. C.J. Wilson with four years of the Angels. Actually, 51 and 35, a 387 ERA. Uh, 387? That's under four. That's a hell of a lot better than what Rendon's giving you. Yeah, Rendon. 225 or that, something like that? Yeah, it's not It's not good. And you mentioned Otani. Hopefully Otani's okay. He had that, the groin tender, the um, tightness in his groin. He got pulled yesterday. Uh, Rendon so far this year, 225, two homers, nine RBI, uh, at 725 OPS. OPS plus, though, 116. So I bet you they're looking at that number more than anything. For Rendon? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Every single time I watch an Angels game, he gets out and it's weak contact. It's either a strikeout or a weak out. Every and I've actually watched quite a bit of Angels baseball this year because I always like watch the teams in our division, right? Yeah. So, and they've been on. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get the Angels on TV because Trout's back and you got Otani. That's that's going to get ratings. So they've popped up on MLB Network and I've actually watched them on Apple because I'm able. Yeah, I, they I were one of the first teams TV. on there. So I watched it on my computer. Every single time I watch him, Rendon gets out. I haven't seen him get one hit yet. Yeah, the two home runs are, are you know, the the, the thing that strikes me is his 225 average. I mean, he that year in Washington when they won the World Series, he was awesome for them. And then he went to Anaheim and hasn't done anything. All right, so right now the A's, it has them at four games back. Okay, well, we'll go with that. All right, four games back according to MLB.com. If that is wrong, blame our – that's our website, not my website. 
our website, the website put on by Major League Baseball, who essentially we all work yeah, for. Yeah, it's four games. I just looked Blame it on them. So four games back, that's not good, but not panic time. 10 and 12, not panic time. But I'm going to say this. You just got swept at home. Everybody believes that the floor is going to drop. They just, they believe that's going to happen. And that it's just a a matter of time that you can look at all these different numbers that are going to prove that the A's are just going to drop. The only way you can stop the, the, the naysayers is you gotta keep hovering around 500. And that dance is not always easy, but it can be done. We have watched it. God, what, what was it, 2010 or 11, where they finished 81 and 81 under Bob Guerin? Uh, 2010. 2010. So living that season, they'd win three, lose two. Lose two, win three. This always hovered till the very end of the year. Then they swept a four-game set in Seattle. Seattle at that time was literally a double-A team. And uh, I remember Derek Barton hit a couple home runs. For some reason, Derek Barton loves Safeco Field. It's now, what, T-Mobile Park, but it used to be Safeco Field. He loved it there. And they swept the Mariners, got to 500. If this team right here can stay like that, like what we saw in 2010, and constantly hover around 500, that gives us something to talk about. That gives us something to sell. That gives you a reason to come out here and watch some baseball because 500 is is fun, and we like to see that. We're not expecting this team to be way over 500. We're not expecting this team to compete for the division, but we do want to be entertained, and that is something that is attainable. And I think this series means something. Because you just got swept at home by the Indians. You got the Rays. The Guardians. You got the – everybody freaks out about that. (laughs) Robert Costa literally yelled in my ear, the Guardians. I'm like, we don't – if we worked for Cleveland, it'd be a big deal. We don't. Um, It's it's just funny to – every time someone says I I go, Guardians. Yeah, everybody's freaked (laughs) out. You're right. It is the Guardians. Just got swept. And now you got the Rays coming in. You just took three or four from the Rays, but you can't keep slipping. This is going to be my major point today. You can't keep slipping early because I I, I don't see and I don't think we're going to see a dramatic thing from this team where they're going to win nine out of ten, where they're going to have this dramatic, where they can get in a hole, but they'll dig their way out. They need to stay consistent. They need to, okay, you're going to lose some series. you got to win some series. If you want to stay relevant, stay around 500, you go on one big losing streak, you, we kind of know how that plays out. Yeah, that's the Reds. Yeah, very, you know, <laughs> the poor Reds, 3-19. 3-19, worst start in franchise history. I heard one of the worst conversations ever today from two former players, two former players on Sirius XM MLB channel. Uh, For me, it's XM89, listening to them, and it just goes to show how ex-players who go into the media, 
don't understand the business of the sport. And the way they were talking about the Cincinnati Reds. And you're like, okay, if you've never really been to Cincinnati, Ohio, players, for the most part, they'd be like, I've been to Cincinnati. No, you've been to the hotel in the ballpark. Have you yeah. really been to Cincinnati? And uh, I have. And, you know, Cincinnati, coming out of COVID, and then now we're heading into, let's face it, economic times around the country aren't great, and some people are predicting a recession coming up here in 2023. Um, the Cincinnati Reds are not going to go out and have a $200 million payroll. Yeah, and, I agree with that. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of teams that are not going to do that. We're one of them. Like, when you start thinking about, like, you can have a – I don't know. It's tough to get into, but really the thing, the way teams are going to make money and the way they're making money is off the national contracts. It's off it's off that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, Apple, Peacock. How much money are you really going to make off selling tickets in Cincinnati, Ohio, when people don't have money? Times are tough in Ohio and southern Ohio. Times are tough in certain parts of the country. Well, at least they got the Bengals. Yeah, you're going to have people. <laughs> it's it's a one day a week, but, I mean, like anything, every single sports attendance is down. All sports attendance are down, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, not to, I mean, to bring it to a local, you know, sphere, the Sharks are usually a team that sells out every game. I mean, I've been to a t- plenty of Sharks games, so there was 5,000 people there. You're and, I, about a t- and I'm not trying – and I hate to bring it to the A's because then it always causes controversy. I mean, if all of a sudden the A's spent $200 million, do you think – I mean, I can go back to when we were – you know, 2019, I went – if you want to go apples to apples, go back 2019, first month of the season, the Houston Astros were here. April 2019, check it. You had the Astros are here on a Tuesday and Wednesday. What year did you say? 2019. The Tuesday was a free parking BART Tuesday, and we got 12,000 people, and you had Olsen and Chapman, and this was a team that was going to the playoffs. Looking at the schedule right now. And then the very next day was a Wednesday, which wasn't free parking, with Olsen and Chapman and Bassett, and you had 11,000 people here. And you said this, when was this, the start of the year? In April. Oh, yeah, in April, yep, it was uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday-Wednesday series. It was a two-day series. Yeah, Tuesday-Wednesday. And the Tuesday was free parking. Yeah. You have free parking. You still have Olsen. You still have Chapman. And this team is going to the playoffs, and you got 12,000 people. 12,270 to be exact. Can you guess who the A's losing pitcher that day was? But it just goes to show, like, people can say whatever they want, but you have a team that's built to go to the postseason. It would go to the postseason – you know, you could say, now, oh, you dismantled the team. You did this. You did that. Well, okay, let's go back to the arch rival Astros are here. It's your division rival. It's April. It's cold. It's the Bay Area. It's Oakland. We know what the weather's going to be like. School's not out. It's a school night. You have, you know, because it's the it's the mats. The Both mats are here. It's free parking. And what'd they get? What do we get? 12,270. Okay. Next night was under. Also, it was 11,000. Yeah. 11,000. For the Astros. 320. Your division, right? So, you know, you could spend, ah, if you, spend, you could spend 300 million and you're going to have 10, 10 to 12,000. It is what it is. But listening to ex players, my, my whole thing would be this listening to ex players talk business, 
is so mind-blowing because they think everybody should just, you know, th- there's this belief that, that everything is just an ATM. But you know what the reality is? I want to say to them, agree to a salary cap. Agree to a salary cap, and we will we, – we will, uh, you agree to a salary cap, and we can take care of a lot of that. And it'll change a lot of things from a business standpoint. And I'll get Matt Cowhar is joining us, so we'll get into it. Uh, maybe I'll get into it a little bit later. But, Matt, how are you, first off? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I just said, you know, normally four games out, two games under 500, May 2nd, not a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Long way to go. But do you get the sense of knowing who this team is, what we think long-term the projections are, that this series actually is a little more, means a little more, you're going on the road after this, you can't get too far behind, because then I, I'm afraid, you know, it's like that it's like that ride at Disneyland in Disney California where it just drops you, where there's no floor. I think this series is kind of big. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's still early, but um, but I think it's you know they they played pretty well for the first like week and a half, and then you know got back home, and it's been a little bit more of a grind, I guess, for the last week and a half or so, uh, maybe the last eleven games, and for them to sort of stay afloat, I guess, over the course of the season, it's gonna be really important to you know, for any team really to just head off like losing streaks. I think they've lost something like I don't know what it is, six of eight. Yeah, but so. To not let that snowball, um, and so yeah, the timing of this one um, coming around and you know, having this last season ho- or series at home before you go to Minnesota and Detroit, yeah, I think it's um, it, it would definitely behoove them to to play uh, play well in this year and score some more runs. I mean, just offense has not been there uh, since they got back home, so if they can pick that up a little bit. That would help. Yeah, you start out eight and six, and then you lost six of eight, and really swept over the weekend by the Guardians. That's why I just, you know, I think I like the term there, stay afloat. You know, we talked about like 2010 here, and that year was 81 and 81, which it really is hard to do to be 81 and 81. But whether you're a couple games over 500 or you're under, that's something that there's intrigue, there's winning, there's bringing up players, there's interest in a team. I just want to see that whether it's around 500, it's a stay afloat, just to keep the interest in the team. Because if a bottom falls out, we know where that goes. Yeah, and I mean, even the Guardian series, they did get swept, but they had a, they could have won one or two of those games. I mean, they arguably should have won the Friday night game, and the pitching just couldn't hold those leads. And then Saturday, they it was one one game until the ninth, and the offense just wasn't there again. So I mean, there yesterday was I think. It's been not very frequent this year that they have really just played themselves out of a game. Like they're they have been totally out of a game in, in the later innings. Last uh, yesterday was was one of those instances, and it, it was just kind of an ugly game start to finish. But but they didn't play poorly really in the first uh, or aspects of it anyway in the first couple of games in that series. So there's you know there are sparks there. Um, they just really need to take advantage of when they uh, especially when they score eight runs because that's not happening very much. And I, I guess you could say, too, which is nice, is getting the Rays out of the way early because mm-hmm. we know how they always get better, especially as the season goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they, that was probably the, you know, that opening road trip going into Tampa and, and taking three or four. I mean, that was kind of a, a probably a good confidence boost for them early on. Um, and so to see this team again and, and maybe if they can, you know, keep that, 
success going or, or win, you know, two games in this series. I mean, that that would be big for them, um, just given what the Rays did last year and um, and sort of the, the lineup that they can run out there. So this was brought up in our MLB notes, and the commander here totally said no way. I said I could see it happening. Pache obviously has been electric at, at times, but lately has really struggled. The last 14 games, he's hitting 152. Mm -hmm. And in our notes, it says, well, with Ramon Laureano coming back, and it's going to be on Sunday, you know, you're constantly going to have guys going up and down, um, still with guys coming back from COVID. Could you see Pache going back down to Las Vegas, maybe to build some confidence? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, I mean, it, it's going to, I think, depend just on what they prioritize up here. I, I mean, if you want him to just get run up here and, you know, get at bats and hopefully, you know, dig himself out of maybe a, a slow start, then I mean, it makes more sense, obviously, to keep him up here. And defensively, I mean, if you have him in center and Ramon in right, and, I mean, I, you know, even in past years, uh, Bob Melvin, I think they you know, talked a little bit about just the idea of, of having Ramon and Wright because of you know the way that his body takes wear and, and maybe it, it you know takes a little bit of, uh, of mileage off of him. So his arm will still play in right field. So if you, I mean defensively, if you have Pache in center field and Ramon and Wright, I mean that's that's a really strong two thirds of the outfield. You could put anybody in left, and I think they they would be pretty good there. But I mean to the the point of offense, like yeah, it's it's. You know, Pache had a, a couple of uh, spurts early on, and then um, he, like, you know, really a lot of this lineup uh, is not is striking out a lot and not walking. And I mean, that was kind of the one of the questions of him coming up, I think, through the Brave system. And when he came over, was just ability to make contact and and make adjustments to pitches that are um, that are that have been tough for him. And and so if maybe they do think that it would help him to to go down, but I think you know he's also one of the He's a spark plug for them in, in in a lineup that doesn't maybe have a lot of those like high energy guys. Um, and I think you know if if you get defense out of him and, and his bat plays really at all, uh, it makes a lot of sense to keep him up. So yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, when he comes back. I think Ramon's been playing both right and center field at, at AAA, so um, they're keeping their options open. The conundrum is Stephen Piscotti. That, yeah, that's like another what, factor. Like what? Because I'm thinking. You know, as of right now, you're going to have a lot of Pinder and left. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking Pache and center and you're talking Ramon and right, it's like, well, what do you do with probably your highest paid guy? Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, if – I don't know, DH against lefties, but then, you know, they use the DH spot a lot for for Lowry and, and for giving Murphy days out from behind the plate and keeping his bat in the lineup. Um and yeah, that's. I mean, it, it is a little bit crowded out there. And it, if they don't have uh, Brown playing first base, you know, he's been playing some left field too. So, um, and Piscotti, you know, he had the the COVID IL stint, but uh, since he's come back, I mean, he's hit a couple of balls hard. So they, I think, they've seen some promising signs from him. Um, so yeah, they do have a little bit of a, a puzzle to figure out out there. All right, Lou Trevino is going to come back, and he's going to come out, come back from the the COVID list. Uh, get some games underneath his belt in the minors. Gets his game. Get a couple games underneath his belt up here, and then all of a sudden, wham! You're Mark Kotze. You got a closing situation. Mm -hmm. What are you gonna do, Matt? Yeah. Well, uh, we you know we talked to Lou a few days ago before his Stockton outing, um, 
and he said his understanding was that at least initially when he comes back he's not going to be pitching in high leverage situations i mean they'll sort of ease him back in um but the, also the way that he put it was you know over time things will work themselves out so i think he's coming back thinking that you know eventually he'll be getting back into that closing role um danny jimenez has been good um he's you know he's got live stuff he throws you know mid-90s at breaking ball plays um so i i think you know if at least at first um you'll still see probably jimenez out there in in the ninth inning if i don't know how long that goes but at least it's good i think for them to to have options because you know Lou was like really good for most of last year and then he had a stretch where things just blew up for him um and to have you know multiple options to close, I think will help. I, I I would assume that eventually the the design is to or the thought is that maybe Trevino does pitch himself back into into that role because you look at what he's able to do. I mean his stuff and everything. It it, it I mean he he should be really good back there, and he was really good back there for for a lot of last season. And then that frees you up to to use Jimenez maybe in a little bit earlier where you want to and if Puck continues to pitch well then you have a righty and lefty option for for like setup um, stuff um, high leverage stuff so you know I think ideally for them all three of them pitch well and and they can kind of piece it together as they as they want um, but initially when Lou comes back I think you'll probably not see him in closing situations at first you know what's good about this like what we just talked about whether it's outfield or whether it's the bullpen is that there's good options like you got players maybe too many players but i think from a bullpen standpoint it's great to have as many good arms at the back of the bullpen as you can but that just makes me feel a little better wouldn't you say for mark kotze knowing that there's some tough decisions but these are the decisions you want yeah and that was their priority i think from day one of spring was i mean you saw how many guys played at different positions in spring training and they went into this season talking about the bullpen like there are no roles down there we'll use the guys wherever um so that's what they've been trying to i think instill in sort of they use the term the identity of the team i think they were they're trying to like instill that in guys is that things aren't going to be set for for a majority of this roster i mean you have certain guys who are you know playing the same lineup position they like, got you know elvis sanders is playing shortstop murphy's catcher but but for the bullpen, um, those guys are pretty open to pitching whenever they're needed, and uh, and you've seen you know different guys playing at first base, uh, different guys in the corner outfield spots, third base, um, and so I think that's what they want is they just want that versatility and that flexibility to to maximize basically matchups like however they can. Um, that's not always going to work out. Obviously, there has to be some execution of stuff on the fl on the field as well but that's their uh the way that they want to go about it is just have as many options as they possibly can to deploy in the different ways that they think will put the players in the best chance for success all right we're gonna play glass half full glass half empty we're one month in mm -hmm. give me something glass half full about the A's. glass half full. i was i mean I think the bullpen has been a really pleasant surprise, um, just given the the amount of experience or lack of experience that was in in that group coming in, and then you lose Trevino, who's like one of the the few established, if not the only established guy over the in the last few years um, for the better part, more than a week. Um, and I think overall that group has pitched well, and you've seen they they came in again without much definition as to like who was going to be pitching in leverage situations and uh, who might close and 
Um, Jimenez has been, you know, he's looking at Zach Jackson, I think has been a pretty pleasant surprise for them. Puck has pitched well in his, um, in the time that he's been out there. Uh, Kirby Snead has been pretty effective. I, I think just in terms of the, the contributions that they've gotten from, uh, from different guys down there, I think that's been a good surprise for them. Um, and, uh, and another one, uh, Paul Blackburn. I mean, you, you look at pitching from the starting rotation. I mean, Blackburn is a guy who's been up and down for them for five years. And, and aside from his rookie year uh, and getting injured at the end of that, he really hasn't been super consistent for them. And, and this first month of him was really, uh, really promising. So those are probably two glass half full things. All right. We'll <laughs> end on this. A little empty here. Where are you at? <laughs> Uh, the uh, offensive production has really dipped a lot. I mean, so I, I don't. This is more maybe anecdotal. I, I need to find a way to sort of quantify this, but um, just uh, you know, maybe aside from runs scored on the road and runs at home. But it seems like whenever they come home from a, ro a road trip, there is a little bit of an offensive dip. I, I don't know if it, that's just the way the Coliseum plays or what, but Cody, check the data. <laughs> home versus road offensively. But I mean, you're looking at like. The first maybe 10 games, they weren't hitting for a lot of average. They were striking out. They weren't drawing a lot of walks, but they were they were getting a lot of timely hits, and those were missing for a lot of last season. But they were you know they were hitting home runs with guys on base. They were hit, getting hits with runners in scoring position. That sort of masked some of the stuff that was going on. But for the last 12 games, they haven't been hitting for high average. They haven't been drawing a lot of walks and strike, and they haven't been getting those hits with runners in scoring position. And you've seen that in the fact that they have like. What, they've scored two or fewer runs in eight of their last 11 games, something like that. So, um, so that I, I, they just need to, um, I think, produce a little bit more as as a lineup and back up some of the um, some of the promising pitching that they've gotten. Great stuff, my man. We always appreciate it. We'll be reading. All right, thanks a lot. All right, take care. And yeah, if you're gonna get all your information, San Francisco Chronicle, sfgate.com. Matt Kawahara does a great job covering this ball club. So does Dwayne Stats, who's been a longtime broadcaster for the Tampa Bay Rays. And it's great to have him back on the program, but even better in person from the field. It's been a long time. How <laughs> hey, are man. You? Great to see you. Great to see you. Everything good? You know, we, you know, during the Cleveland series, so we had Sandy, Al Sandy Almar Jr. on. And we have, so we did a little two-game set with back then the Indians mm -hmm. in Vegas. He was the last non-A's employee that we interviewed live before COVID hit. Really? Wow. Until the start of this season. Yep. And, he, and he remembered that. He was like, yeah, because right after we left, it was all shut down. So it's been a while since we've had you back on the field here in the Bay Area. It's been a while since we've been on the road. I'll tell you, we've made one road trip already to Chicago. We spent a week in Chicago, played the – White Sox and the Cubs, and uh, traditionally as cold as you expect Chicago to be in April. Yeah. So we've got that, and now we come out here, and we got a beautiful day in Oakland. So we're grateful and thankful for that. I mean, what's that like? I mean, you know, your whole career, multiple sports, Yankees, you name it, all the broadcasting you've done, all the traveling you're, you've done in your career, and all of a sudden, nothing. You're not. You're only going to the Trop. You're only in St. Petersburg. Was that just tell us about what life was like? For yeah, you. it was different. You know, the, I mean, the upside of that, I have three grandchildren who are just underfoot. They're you know, 17 and I guess 14 and 12. And so it's great to have them and that time with them. Yeah. So I, I looked at it that way. And, you know, it was an interesting experience. A hundred years ago, I had recreated games in the minor leagues 
in Oklahoma City when I broke in. Our fan base is like, what? Yeah, I mean, they're going, what is that? <laughs> and, and so during the during COVID, man, we went into the studio and, and went to uh, the TROP, and they put up giant monitors, and we did those games. So it was kind of a throwback from, uh, from the days when I actually broke into this business. But it was, it was fun, but uh, nothing like uh, live and, you know, being on the road and following – Following the exploits of this team, uh, they've been an interesting team to watch. You know, they've really been, I think, two editions of this franchise, and one was like the first 10 years of struggle, and then roughly the last 10 years, where they've done some things that uh, have surprised a lot of people, including yours truly. At this point, do they surprise you anymore when they win? No, they don't. And and I've stopped trying to figure out some of it. You know, I've just go okay. You guys make this move. I know it's probably going to work, so let's see how. Trust the process. That's right. That's exactly what they do. And, uh, you know, there are ups and downs to that, I think. But I think what we're seeing is more clubs doing that, trying to do that anyway. And, um, you know, the, the traditional idea of a starting pitcher and, you know, can he get past six and then you're nursing through the seventh and eighth and all, you know, those days are – pretty numbered and and really the same thing about one guy uh, being the centerpiece of a franchise for his career and so you miss those you know I don't know how many you know Cal Ripkins we're gonna have and you know in St. Louis Stan Musial if you go back to those days and all of that um, you know you get a five-year run maybe a six-year run and then you turn that over you know we were actually talking about it the other day you know, when you go to the Baseball Hall of Fame and one of the, you know, true fabulous moments as a baseball fan, I've been lucky to be there a few times, is when you go into the plaque room and you're reading the plaques and you see this guy, you just mentioned Sam Musial, you look at a Willie Mays or a Hank Aaron or whoever, and it's like 22 years, 23 years, 21 now that we manipulate service time and we're worried about when the guy's going to be a free agent, I don't, you know, talk about Cal Ripken or, you know, like Tony Gwynn was the same sure. time. we get, Like, how are these guys going to play 20-something years if you're you're regulating when they're even going to get to the big leagues? Yeah, it's tough to do. It's really tough to do. The, You know, the good thing is, and I look back at all those guys, because I, I grew up in the St. Louis area in the 60s when the Cardinals, you know, they the Cardinals had an all-star infield, and collectively it was a big deal that they had a $100,000 infield. So it's a lot of money. Some, so some guys, <laughs> so there were some great players. You know, when you, when you break down Boyer and White, and uh, they, they brought Dick Grote in. They had Julian Javier. You know, it was a great infield. And it was a big deal when collectively at least the papers said that they paid them $100,000. And they probably didn't pay them collectively 100000 But that was considered big money back then. And now, I, you know, you, you have guys making big money, not staying with clubs like they did. And, and when you look back, the Aarons and, and Willie Mays and – Mickey Mantle, all of those guys, for what they gave the game and what they did to their bodies, they they weren't paid enough in terms of what they brought in and and the the uh, you know the the center part of those franchises. So it is what it is, you know. It, it all changes, and uh, we still pop in and uh, love coming out to the ballpark. It's just uh, you know it's different now. It's a different generation. Uh, all of the economics are different, and it is what it is. 
you know, back in the day when you had a Longoria or Crawford or you knew those guys, you thought maybe Longoria would stay, right? But obviously that didn't happen. Uh, Wander Franco now. I mean, this kid, every, we, I get to see the highlights like everybody yep. else, quick, quick pitch on MLB, MLB uh, Network. You know, I'll tune into your guys' games because I love watching you guys. You guys are fascinating. Uh, you get to see him on an everyday basis. Is this truly, can we now say, hey, listen, the Rays got a guy, and you grow up, whether you're in St. Pete or you're in Tampa or that part of Florida, and you know what? This guy's going to be here for his career. Do we now have that, you know, flag in the ground, got a guy? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you're talking about a 10-, 11-year deal with him. So you would think that he's going to be there, and one would certainly hope so. Uh, he's the real deal right now when you watch him play. Uh, he does a lot of things right on both sides of the baseball. So I would, I would hope that that would be the case. But, you know, the change is the order of the day. And uh, that's the way it is. Hey, what's going on here? Oh, this side. Yeah. Yes. That's what we do here. Yep. And he's yeah. one of our favorites. Brett Phillips is all yeah. over the place. Phillips is hilarious. Yep. Hey, you need to yep. come on the show again. Is he on yeah. tomorrow? I have yeah. the request in, so we'll see. Okay. Tomorrow. No, you come right here. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> It's the best set in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be the warm-up act. Hey, don't you? This is what we. This is what makes our show unique. Is that you? You'd be amazed, all the different people that come, and you know, being in baseball these years, the amount of people that show up on the field. That you just grab people, bring people on. It's like yep. there's no set like this in the game. That's right. Nothing like uh, it's live radio, man. There's nothing like it. So Wander being the oh, franchise yeah. guy's long term. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, you see a lot of great talent. You mentioned Longoria early, and he was he was like that. Uh, I, I think there's probably a, a, another dimension to the game for um, for this young man, I, and so I hope he sticks around. I hope that he could be the identity of this franchise, no question. I have a thing going, and I think this is finally the year because this will be the year – that blows everything away, bullpen innings. This will be the most bullpen innings we've ever seen. Uh, both of our good friend, Ken Korak, agrees with me. I don't think this is sustainable. And I think baseball has used every excuse why not to use starters. There was 2020, shortened season COVID. Then they carried that into last year saying, well, these guys didn't do the full year, so things are different. And then this year it's all about the lockout when some people tell you, hey, these guys all throw in the offseason. These guys were all throwing live BP. They were ready to go. They're ready to go the minute they hit, whether Florida, Arizona for spring training. But you guys will always be because, once again, you lead the big leagues in innings for bullpen at 107 and two-thirds. Going good now. But how sustainable, rosters being shortened again, you're allowed to keep 14 for a while, you're, I mean, still a ton of bullpen guys, but how sustainable is it really just not the race, all of baseball to have that much bullpen in Yeah, I, I wonder about that myself. This club right now has, has 10 pitchers on the IL. So if, and the, I guess to answer your question, if they come back healthy, then you're going to cover the innings that you need to cover. 
But if they don't, I mean, do you sooner or later tap the system, or can you continue to run as much pitching talent into the system where you can continue to manipulate workload and service time and all of the things that they do? That's To me, that's, that's the question. I, 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 I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I know that having grown up the way we're talking about, you know, I, I love to see a guy go five or six innings and, and do that, but you can't argue with the results of what this franchise has done with the mix and match and the use of the IL and the options to send guys down and bring them back and do all the things that they do. So you can't argue with it because that's that's a big part of what's made this team win. And they that was in in the game plan years before they ever implemented it. Uh, that had been discussed within the organization before. The idea was to try to start it in the minor leagues where you'd have two starting pitchers divide a game and all of that. So all of, all of those ideas are kicked around in those secret meetings that they have, <laughs> and, and they don't let any of us near them for good reason. Now, I don't know how much you'll do it here in Oakland because I don't even remember, but – I know it always happens in Tampa, and so, you know, I've been to Tampa. I've been to the Trop, St. Petersburg. I've been there. and Or, or God, it's happened here too, but it's just so weird when you look up and you go, hey, where'd all the infielders go? And, yeah. oh, my God, they got four, five out. How many outfielders they have? Like, it's like, does because does, it freaks you out because you never see it. Then we play you guys and we see it. Yep. When you get to see it, does it – do you ever just go – does it ever is it weird or is it now normal? Yeah, it's, for us it's normal because it happens all the time. And you look and there's, you know, there's 85 feet of open space on one side of the infield, <laughs> and you're going, well, why don't you why don't you just hit a little ground ball over there? And we're seeing some people start to do that more, I think, this year than we have in the past. Good. But what yeah. I what I really hope is that we can, as we are probably looking forward to next year, keeping two infielders in some way on each side of the infield. That would be nice. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's always interesting. And of course, you know, we have a lot of the same issues on and off the field. And so we always look at you guys as the East Coast version of us. We're always rooting for you guys in that big, bad East. Hey, I know you got to go do a broadcast and get prepared. I, it means a lot when you come down as you're truly one of the best in our game. And it's always an honor to have you on the program. Well, Chris, I'm, uh, I appreciate that very much. Always great to be uh, in your company and, and be out here. And you've ordered up a beautiful evening. And we won't see you the rest of the year. I know that's it, huh, man? But we're gonna, bu- we're gonna, because I think you guys will be in the playoffs. We'll bug you at the end of the year in the postseason. I look forward to it. Thank you so okay, much man. for the time. Appreciate it. Right. Yeah, talking a little. Well, we always like talking Rays because the Rays are truly one of the more fascinating teams, and he's truly one of the best broadcasters that we have in the business. And yeah, it's always, you know, when you play the Rays. You know, you, you look up, and the Rays will have four outfielders. They'll have five outfielders. And, you know, when you're watching it on television, Paul Blackburn, you're seeing it from the from the dugout. Or what, what's that like when you look out and you go, where the heck did all the infielders go? <laughs> um, no, I actually noticed it in uh, Tampa when I think it was Brownie's first at bat. And I was looking around, and I saw three infielders. I'm like, what is going on out here? Um, and then you saw low out in uh, right field. But – it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy where this game has gone. Um, getting diving into some big analytical things uh, on both sides, actually us and the Rays. 
Um, but it's interesting. Um, it's interesting. I feel like if, if you're a guy um, that can kind of hit the ball over the yard, um, you have a good opportunity to, to have a pretty good average this year. You know, there's been a lot there, – there's some research. There's not a ton of research yet because shifting still for the most part, where they're still collecting all the data and everything, they can tell you hitter. They can tell you so much about what happens with the fielders. But what they really can't tell us is how you guys feel. And you guys, you're the pitcher. You have the ball. You're the most important. How do you feel when you have unorthodox stuff happening behind you as you're pitching? I think I think guys are just used to it now. Um, at first it was a little weird. Um, but it definitely is nice when uh, they're shading a right-hander to pull and a right-hander hits one up the middle and your second baseman's standing right there. Um, but then vice versa, if, you know, if you get him reaching on a pitch and he hits it to straightaway second base and no one's there, it, I mean, it's, it, it's it kind of is what it is. It's, it's got to fry you a little bit. It fries me <laughs> if you put in the, in the score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a give and take thing. Um, no, I, I feel like, I feel like it, it's more beneficial for pitchers. Um, and I don't think a lot of us realize uh, those, those hard hit ground balls, uh, lefty hits that your second baseman's out in shallow right field that fills and throws them out. Um, though I think those outweigh the ones where they they hit it where where maybe this third baseman should be at that time or, or not. You just you just tend to remember those ones. All right, the last time we talked to you was down at spring training, and it was weird having a mask on and the whole thing. It's great to see you, uh, you know, without the mask for us. Just where you were was like. Katze gives me the ball. When he gives me the ball, I'm going to be ready to go to where you are now. Where are you now versus the last time we talked to you? <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still in the same same headspace. Um, you know, it's you know getting the ball every five days um, and just being able to to come into that game with a game plan uh, that Murph and I have gone over and just being able to, to kind of stay within myself um, through – I guess through these four starts, um, you know, it's something that I've really worked on hard, uh, just mentally and and kind of physically, and just just being able to 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 kind of more so like slow things down for me. Um, and that was what, what my big kind of focus was in spring training um, was just being able to you know guys get on base, just being able to slow it down. It, in spring training this year, I kind of used it as as more of a of a get ready. Um, for season and in the past it was never like that it was coming to camp and be ready day one um, and kind of added that extra stress on myself where I got to go out and be perfect I got to show these guys that you know I can pitch here and that, that I belong here um, and this year it just kind of I kind of took it a little slower for myself and just worked on just more of more of those things like in-game things instead of maybe velocity maybe um, like over the over the mound stuff like I did work on different grips with my curveball and my slider uh, but most of it was just when a guy got on base, like don't let the game speed up on you. Just, you know, breathe out there, like visualize, do all those little things. And I think I was able to kind of carry that over until now, and I've, I've noticed that that's helped me a lot. Well, you're 3-0 and with a 1.35 ERA. I mean, let's be honest, you've been fabulous. Let's talk both mental and physical. Let's start with mental. You talked about slowing it down, but what have you done, whether – I don't know if it's meditation. I everybody's got something. Whether it's away from the field when you're here, what have you done mentally to get stronger? Um, I don't. I don't really know how to how to phrase this, but I, I guess uh, just care less. 
And it's not so much caring about less about like the results out there or, you know, winning, losing more so in my mind, like being okay with giving up an early run here, lead off double, like make a good pitch, soft contact. If they move the guy over, he moves him over instead of trying to feel like I need to punch guys out to not let that guy score in the top of the first, top of the second, whatever it may be. Um, that's kind of what I mean when I say kind of like care, care less, like can care about what I can control and not so much what, what happens after I release the ball or, or vice versa. Um, I feel like that's, that's kind of got me to where I am right now mentally. Um, and that, that's just, that also has kind of helped me slow the game down. Um, just like when I'm, when I'm out there, um, I'm taking it pitch to pitch and, you know, whether it's a bases loaded situation, whether it's, you know, nobody on two outs, two strikes. It, it, I'm taking the same, the same approach and the same mentality into into every pitch. Now, I don't like to chart a lot of things, but one thing I do for every starting pitcher is first pitch strike. Because I know if you come out and get a first pitch strike, boy, does that change the odds right out of the gate. And I've noticed you've done that a lot. Also, I can just go on baseball savant and see there's a difference in your breaking ball. You mentioned changing grip. What did you do to change your curveball? And I've seen you've, you're having better confidence with your slider also. Yeah, um, with my curveball, I was I was essentially just a little on the side of the ball, um, and the ball was kind of set back in my hand, so it was more it was more like I was pushing it instead of kind of ripping a seam down with it. Um, so I moved my my fingers up a little bit on it, which gave me more of like I guess more than half the ball in my hand and. Just from then, it was it's more so me just kind of keeping my same um, arm speed with it. Then in the past, like I've I've got I've gotten to the point in the past where like sometimes I try to place it in there instead of throwing it in there, and I I just feel like with this grip it's a lot more comfortable in my hand and it allows me to just throw it like I throw all my other pitches. And a lot of people don't understand when you really got a good breaking ball going, and I've mentioned this with Danny Jimenez now, who's really you know, evolved into this new role back of the bullpen. When you have your breaking ball, I can get in there for a strike, and then when I have it for the strikeout where it goes out of the zone, it's it, – tell us, tell us how that feels when you have that control with your pitches to where I'm going to throw it for a strike when I want, and when I want to punch you out, I got it there too. No, it is. It is fun, when, especially when you have those days where you can backdoor it, uh, you can throw it down the way to your glove side to a righty, um, you can throw it – on top of the plate when you want to. Uh, those are always fun. Anytime you get a swing and miss, it's fun. Uh, especially someone from like me coming coming up, I was never a punch out guy. Um, and it's something I've been working on for a long time, just, just within my repertoire of how I can set guys up for that, how I can create more swing and miss. Um, but being able to have a pitch, a pitch like that where you can throw it with conviction and a lot of times you're gonna see someone swing over top of it, it's, it's a great feeling. You're probably like me. I'm a former bad college pitcher. I look out and I go, how do these guys get ripped around the yard throwing 98, 100 miles an hour? <laughs> I'm like, you know how easy this game would have been if I threw 100 miles an hour? How many times – I mean, you're a big league pitcher. I mean, how many times do you sit here and go, how does this guy have a 5 ERA and he's throwing 100 and 101? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I would love to be able to throw that hard. But this game is hard in general. Um, and it's gotten to the point now where everyone everyone's throwing hard. So now the hitters are, are training to hit, hit that hard speed. Um, and I think, I think guys have gone away from movement. And I feel like you ask any hitter, 
any hitter would rather see 100 straight than, you know, 94, 95 with some movement. And it's, I mean, you, when, you, when you see someone that comes out with, with an electric arm like that, it's fun to watch. Um, but I don't, honestly, I don't know how guys even hit it. But it's, it's just one of those things where everyone kind of, kind of evolves in the game. Everyone evolves to what, what the game is. And, you know, hitters have, have done a good job in, in doing that. All right, so you start tomorrow. So, like, the, you know, there, there, there's what you do, your preparation in the week for the start. Just take us kind of through technology-wise, because that's what's changed so much in the game. Whether you're looking at video, God, there's a virtual reality now going on with the hitters. Is their hitters are going to be watching you pitch to them in virtual reality. <laughs> I mean, there's crazy stuff going on. What do you do to prepare for a start with whatever technology you use? Yeah, I just I just watch video, honestly. And then days off, or like yesterday, I, I went on uh, – the MLB app, and I watched their first, like, five innings of their game yesterday and just kind of, like, seeing seeing what guys are doing on certain pitches or, like, how guys look at the plate. Like, we played them, I think, about three weeks ago now. Um, but, you know, hitters change. Hitters change week to week, and, you know, what worked on against them last time, maybe some of those guys are, are laying off those breaking balls on the dirt or getting those fastballs up. So just being able to, to watch their last couple games and just seeing what certain guys are doing um, you know, whether it's first pitch, whether it's guys in scoring position, whether, you know, it's guys trying to bunt, just like little things like that that, that I look for. Um, but, yeah, I usually, usually just watch a video on them and just kind of bl uh, trust my eyes, what I see. Let's end on this. I know you've now been in the organization for a while, but do you ever like, I don't know if you're shagging balls or just, you know, doing BP, do you ever just go, wow, I'm pitching at home. Like I'm in the big leagues, but I'm, not, I'm home. Like, this is where I grew up, right? You grew up in the East Bay. You grew up here. Do you ever kind of like just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening? Yeah, there there are times where I sit there and think about it, and there's times where, like, you know, fans will, fans will yell at me, like, oh, I'm from Brentwood, or like, yeah. oh, I go to Heritage High School. And, like, it's, it, it is cool. Um, and I feel like a lot of the times kind of in and once you're in, in baseball and, like, you're, you're in the big leagues, like, you don't ever, like, kind of take that out-of-body out experience and just, like, take a step back and just think about, kind of what you've been through or like where you are where you're playing or things like that um and but this year i, I kind of made it a, a point to myself to like just in, enjoy it whatever happened whatever happens happens um believe in myself and yeah I've, I've done it a couple times you know just 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 coming here i mean i came here for games i mean 15 20 years ago like i came here and watched games here so just just remembering just like I mean, I remember being in that box, the first box above the, the scoreboard for someone's birthday when I was like nine. You know, I remember coming here for the Little League walk around the field stuff. Like, we had that the other day. So just seeing stuff like that just pops little memories in my mind, which is, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it, it really, like, I think fans don't realize how rare it is. Like, Brett Phillips grew up in Tampa, right? And he was talking about how Randy Macho Man Savage was his neighbor and that like he was like a kid when the devil rays first started out like you get these stories but they're very rare yeah no they are and it's it's kind of funny because my time here what it, I think it was my sixth year here we've had a lot of Bay Area guys and like I don't feel like you you see that in a lot of organizations no. and I I just I feel like it's awesome for the community um you know you got Piscotti you got you had Marcus Canna um you know Mickey was up for a little bit um, you're probably forgetting a lot of a lot of guys right now, um, but just in general, I think it's just it's just really good for the community, um, and just being being at home. There's there's nothing better than being at home. Bob Melvin used to go to concerts here and party here back <laughs> in the day. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, when you really, it's like, it's 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 been crazy. But hey, you know what? I mean, you're on one heck of a run. You're healthy, mentally, physically. A lot of our fans, obviously, being a Bay Area guy, so many people pulling for you. Keep it rolling and enjoy it, man, because you are dealing right now. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And we always appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you very luck, much for having me. And good luck tomorrow. Thank you. There he is, Paul Blackburn of your Oakland Athletics, who's off to uh, an absolute fantastic start. And we always like having him here on A's Cast Live. And he, were you there? I don't think you were there when I interviewed him in spring training. Yeah, I was there. Were you there? I was yeah. in the clubhouse. You walked. I was talking to. I think I might have been talking to Trevino, and you were you were went over and talked to Paul in the clubhouse. Yeah, that was when we went, that was like the first or second day we were there. And they. I mean, think about that. Roles were not like – no one was really talking roles and what was going on and all that kind of stuff. But uh, let's get into that next because it's been a month, right, a month of the season, roles. What it was like when we were at spring training and what it's like to talk to some guys now right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into local Bay Area charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, we're going to call an Omaha here. And we're going to save, because it actually is a good point, now that we're a month in, from what you saw in spring training to where where we are now, and Paul Blackburn is a great example of that, but he's throwing tomorrow. Correct, he is. So we can we can lead the show with that. Let's just take a look uh, of basically one month in, what we knew in spring, what we know now, and how guys have progressed. Because Paul Blackburn, I mean, I, I do you have wood in here? This is wood, right, that guy? Yes, that's wood. Guy's off to an all-star start. Uh, I would say so, 100%. He's got a 1-3-5 ERA. He's 3-0. He's got a 1-3-5 ERA. Uh, did I see this coming? No. I don't think anyone did. Doesn't matter. He's doing it, yeah, right? He's doing it right now. And the guy. But he wasn't sure, like, because the day I interviewed him, was that the day Mania was traded? No. This was, I think it was the day the, prior. I think it was, we, Mania was traded on Sunday. I think we did it on a, thir- uh, we did it on a Saturday. But. We knew Manaya was going to go. So Bassett had gone. You knew Manaya was going to go. He knew he was going to be at some point. I Really, you got the sense from guys down in spring that I'm going to get starts, but there's no really set for the rotation, right? Caprillion was hurt. He was hurt. You didn't know what you were going to get out of. Aller knew he was going to play. He was making the team. Blackburn knew he was going to make the team. You know, there really wasn't a whole lot of Frankie Montas. We weren't sure Frankie would be here. Yeah. Probably the probably probably the one thing that we knew. One thing that we knew. We'll get into this tomorrow. We knew one thing that was Cole Irvin. Uh, one of the fastest workers in baseball. 
But other than that, man, we'll get into this tomorrow. Yeah, remember, we thought Cole could be the opening day starter in Philly. Yeah, I predicted <laughs> it. Cole Urban Revenge Series. And being the number two guy. So, Tommy Everidge, the hitting coach, I got a chance to speak with him earlier today. Do you want to do him now, or do you want to do a little buying or selling? Let's do him now, then we'll do buying or selling, because we only have a few minutes. And I'm going to do buying or selling on the Reds. Oof. <laughs> have they played yet today? Uh, no, they have not. Are they off today? I haven't looked at their schedule, but they're 3-19. and 19, They're 3-19. So. and 19. It's the worst start since the 88 Orioles, which is like the worst start ever. Yeah, which? 0-21. Is that, is that any good? 0-21. Then they drafted our friend, the great Ben, ben McDonald. Out of? LSU. LSU. So they went three weeks to start a season with no wins. <laughs> was it Johnny? Three, was it three. Johnny Oates who got fired? Uh, Johnny Oates, the former Ran. I remember his the Rangers manager. Let's see. Who, who was the man? Oh, was it no? It wasn't Cal Ripken Senior, was it? I'm looking right now. Johnny Oates. Let's see. Johnny Oates. No, it can't be Johnny Oates. He was the no. He was the manager from. He was the manager in 1991. So it wasn't him. Let's just Cal look. Ripken Senior. I mean, Who's the manager of the 88 Orioles to start the season? He got canned early. Cal Ripken Sr. Was it Cal Ripken? Cal Ripken Sr. fired after an 0-6 start. Who replaced him? It's 1988. I'm in high school. I have no idea. Frank Robinson. The great Frank Robinson? Yeah, he went 54 and 101. How'd that work out? Well, I got the first pick in the draft. Camden Yards was built. I think it worked out okay. How's it working out now? Oh, boy. Hey, they got a really good bullpen. Here is my conversation earlier with the A's hitting coach, Tommy Average. Well, it has been a long hiatus since we've had him here on A's cast and A's radio. But, Tommy, it is great to have you back. How are you? Good. Good. Really good. So, so the start of the season so far, how do you evaluate it, and how do you evaluate your hitters? Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of good things have happened. I think, you know, there's obviously little ebbs and flow that happen that, you know, kind of get in the way. But I think guys are turning upward. And, you know, I just really like the fight. You know, they come out every day ready to compete. And, you know, they lay it all out there. You know, when I, I want to start with a guy. Where it's a major positive because, you know, in life, you're going to have a lot of hurdles, uh, you saw it throughout your own career. You saw it with guys around you in your career. Now as a coach, you're seeing it. And you can get news that you don't like, and you can get sit down when you don't like. And I think about Sheldon Noisy, and I remember when this ball club sent him down and he was not thrilled about it and everything that he's been through. And now where he is as a professional, the way he's swinging the bat, uh, you know, for, you know, the defense is one thing and obviously he's got to clean that up, but just how proud are you of him, of the start of his season, his approach and the way he has gone about his business? Well, I mean, I, I told him that early on, you know, I told him, you know, I don't know if you want to call it maturing or, you know, I did, I sense like a calmness to him that I never really felt like, you know, it's kind of cool being in my position, just you know, being around those guys in the minors, like you see them really like mature and, you know, and, and Sheldon, that's just what he's done. I mean, we all don't like things when we're young and cocky. And then sometimes we realize we just got to deal with it and move forward. And, you know, and the way he's going about it, I couldn't be more proud. And, you know, I know you guys, you know, watching batting practice as we're there on the field and we've been doing this for a long time and, and, and watch, 
there is a part of the stations when you get in that cage, the approach to go the other way. Just how nice is it to see one of your hitters really be able to go foul pole to foul pole? He can take you deep. He gets a lot of hits to the right side, really being a complete hitter. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's, you know, what we're preaching. And, uh, you know, I think it's kind of gone by the wayside, you know. It's like, why not just barrel a bunch of balls? Like, why not hit a bunch of doubles, driving a bunch of runs? Or the home runs will come just by hitting, you know, just quality of contact. And, you know, to see Sheldon just take what he's given, you know. I mean, I'll take a single the other way. And, you know, it, it definitely sparks the ball club. You know, one thing that I've always liked to talk to Scott Emerson about is, is, you know, we think of you guys, well, you're the hitting coach and you're the pitching coach or there's the base running, there's defense. And you think it's all about just the physical attributes of the players when the reality is you're as much a psychologist as you are a hitting coach. You got to help these guys mentally day to day that they have issues, whether it's issues off the field, on the field, they got, they're human beings, just like all of us. They lot, they got a lot going on. So just talk about the mental side and how much of your job is to help these players on the mental side. I mean, I think the majority of it, I would say is mental. I mean, obviously there's physical things that go on, but you know, just try and keep an eye on each person. Like, and as you learn them, I mean, you can kind of tell pretty quick in a cage if maybe something's off. And then so maybe you just kind of question it to the player and maybe they're open, maybe they're not. But I think remembering they're, you know, they're just another person like us. I got issues. <laughs> we all have it, like little issues, you know, and but kind of letting them work through that and then get back to work. You know, I, I think the focus is to win the game for the other, you know, 25 guys who got in there and, so it's it's you're definitely not just kicking stuff to the side, but you're trying to get them in a right frame of mind to go out and compete. Yeah, I've been trying to tell people, especially when I'm doing the post game show, you know, I've been noticing like after games on the field, you know, these guys, you know, a lot of, you know, once everybody went on the COVID list, it seemed like you brought up so many young guys. I mean, there's a lot of toddlers. There's a lot of babies. This is a, there's, you know, this is not, this is not like the team we've had the past couple of years where you had a lot of veterans. So yeah, these guys got a lot going on just beyond baseball. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know how many new babies we got, you know, that's a new experience in people's lives and, you know, and, and sometimes that's a good thing having to care for someone besides yourself kind of, you know, can be calming, but. I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, I couldn't imagine, like, we had a bunch of guys up here making their debut, and, you know, as a coach, that's always exciting, because, you know, I'd seen a bunch of those kids maybe uh, at their lowest point, you know, in the minor leagues at some point, to see them persevere, it's huge. You know, at some point, you know, we've already had a bazillion guys up here, 36 guys, 16 rookies, guys are going to go down, but they're definitely going to be a huge part. I'm not sure what's going to happen to Nick Allen when we're taping this interview. We have no idea, and obviously you can't say anything, but let's just take a player that you know is a big part of this team's future. He's going to go back down to Las Vegas. What advice do you give that player knowing he's a big part of our future? Well, I think anyone who goes down, you know, I mean, just they got to keep going. You know, I think sometimes people go down and Either they, you know, I'd see it, um, you know, last year in Triple They think they've done everything now and life is great. And then the game kind of sticks it to them or, you know, like just keeping them positive. Like you're going to be a part of it. Go, go bust your butt and, you know, work on the little things and 
you know, just clean things up. I, I would say that's just kind of what happens is it's not that you're not ready to play here, but you could take advantage of this time or, you know, you could waste it. And so always just try and guide them into the, you know, the right mindset of taking advantage of it. You know, it's crazy about our sport and I don't think people really, it, it, it comes to their mind when they're at the ballpark. We're the only sport that puts everybody's stats up on a board. You go to an NFL game, you go to an NBA, you go to hockey. They're not putting everybody's stats up there and what they do and how they're doing. But in baseball, everything that you're doing is on display. Players look up, they see it. So when you've got a player who's struggling and you see it up there on the scoreboard, he sees it, the fan sees it, you know, he's probably in his head. How do you get to a point where you try and get him? Don't think about that. You can't change your batting average. You can't change your stats in one at bat. How do you get them to focus in just on that bat and to get better in that moment? Well, yeah, I think like, you know, um, we put something up the other day, like a quote in the cage and it was, uh, you know, don't let, past mistakes, you know, get in the way of future success. And I think if we're harping on the past, I mean, your batting average is what it is. It's a reflection. But, I mean, there's no reason, like, that's a reflection of you. So trying to remind them, like, why can't you get a good pitch to hit and barrel at this at bat? Like, there's no reason why they can't physically. But, you know, trying to get that, get their mind, you know, the negative mind. I always say we all have another person in our head. You know, like it was negative Tommy or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But you got to kill that guy. There's there's a guy with doubt up there. And so it's just reminding them that, you know, you're not going to get the things you want, you know, crying and worrying about what's already happened. Like, what can we do now? And there's no reason any of these guys can't barrel a good pitch to hit. I mean, they're, they're, they're so good. Well, yeah, you 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 gotta you gotta get rid of negative Tommy, and you gotta go back to Tommy at Sonoma State. You crushed at Sonoma State. When I look back at your numbers, obviously it's great to have you as a Northern California guy on the staff. But you go back to your college days. My God, your numbers were unreal. I mean, I had a lot of fun. I mean, when you talk about a good environment, Coach Gelts up there, you know, it was just a great place to be, and. I mean, just tremendous teammates and atmosphere. I mean, you know, that's like the genesis of everything. It's where the A's got me. It's where I met my wife, you know, so I have a lot of fond memories. So, you know, good things help your stats, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feel good, play good. You know, uh, yeah. when you think about being a Northern California guy, I don't know how much family uh, or, you know, if, if your wife's family's fall from here, but but what is the experience like? being in Oakland, not only as a player, now as a coach, or being a Northern California guy? Well, I mean, we've, we've moved to Arizona, uh, the family, but um, they came up here, and uh, opening day at home was my mom's birthday. Uh, so, you know, that was nice. You know, my grandma, um, my mom, my sisters, you know, for all them to come down, um, you know, it just means a lot because, you know, they've always seen you kind of what you've had to go through. So. That was a big moment. Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, it was nice. Yeah, that's special stuff. I mean, when you can be close to home and everybody can do, enjoy. We just had Brandon Hyde on the program. He's also like you from Northern California, manager of the Orioles, and he talks about coming to Oakland every year means so much because so much of his family can come see him because being on the East Coast, he only gets to see him so much. So it's always great when you're back home, either with the A's or coming to play against the A's. One thing that I want to get with you before – we got to let you go because I know you got to get to the ballpark is 
we have made every excuse for pitchers. We've made starting in 2020, obviously the shortened season. So we made the excuses then why they can't go innings. And then we made excuses last year that they can't go a lot of innings because of 2020. Now we're saying that they can't go innings because, oh my God, there was the lockout and it was a short spring training. We've taken away the pitchers spider tack. We've taken away the, their sunscreen and rosin, whatever that, that little thing, the concoction they had rolling. We've taken everything away from pitchers and yet they're still dominating hitters. We're at a record low at everything right now on offense. So you tell me as a hitting coach, why do you think pitchers, pitchers are still dominating hitters, especially the way they are right now? I don't. I mean, they're good. <laughs> like, I, like they're throwing hard. And, you know, I think that's what we're trying to tell the dudes. And you see trends kind of shifting back to being maybe just a good hitter versus a guy who can launch, you know, I think, you know, they're in the lab developing stuff to counter our moves. And, you know, I think we got to fight them on that. And I know that's what we're trying to do. And, you know, just, just be good hitters. You know, they're not just going to let you hit homers. And I think they're adjusting a little bit better than we are right now. Do you ever roll your eyes like I do when everybody makes the excuse for pitchers? And, oh, this has happened and that has happened. You're like, these guys are all in shape. They're all ready to go. They come into spring training in shape, ready to go. But everybody keeps making excuses. Do you ever roll your eyes? No, I, I I just, to be honest with you, I mean, the amount of work these guys put in taking care of their body and recovery and stuff, I mean, I I think they're taking away excuses. You know, they, they, they bust their butt. I see the players, like, we didn't have all this stuff when I played, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I, I just, I'm really impressed at the way both sides go about trying to be a professional. You know, I mean, there's a lot more you know, trying to get your rest and making sure you're in peak performance. Cause I mean, you're seeing guys throw a hundred, like that's just what it is now. <laughs> I missed the days where there was just two soft throwing lefties in every rotation. I don't know how else I would have made it to the top. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's so funny for, for guys like myself, you know, I, pl I played against Mark Kotze in college when he was at Fullerton, I played at San Jose state and I've joked with Mark going, they had, we had nothing. Like you think of all the technology and I'm looking down the bullpen and there's rap sodos and there's high tech cameras. And I'm like, we had, here's a ball. And I always laughed about all the rosin and we, we didn't even have rosin bags back then. It's amazing. All the stuff you guys have the technology to help these players. Yeah. And you know, we got it on the hitting side and a lot of it comes back to the simpler things. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's a little, it's fragile when you're trying to introduce things, you know, but a lot of it just proves kind of the old school things, you know, like you want to hit the ball harder. Like that's what we've always tried to do. Like here's just a measurement. Here's a certain way to go about it, you know, and, and just trying to tie all that stuff together. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I tell the hitters, like the pitchers out there trying to take food off your table, like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be easy out or, you know, you're going to, you're going to fight them, and I think our boys have been fighting them really well. Hey, we really appreciate the time, especially during the season. We've really enjoyed your chats also with Ken Korak, you and Emo. I think it's great for A's cast and the A's radio network. I think fans are learning a lot from you. So thank you for the time today. Thank you for when you come on with Ken. We appreciate it, and we'll see you later today at the yard. All right. Thank you, guys.
All righty. Tommy Everidge hadn't interviewed him since like 2009 when he was a player for the A's. Ray, that's how long we've been around, my friend. We've been around a long time. They had to go back to 2009, telling the old war stories of the A's back in the Bob Guerin days. Uh, what a great show today, Cody. Congratulations. You put together one hell of a show. Thank you. That's what I try to do. I strive to be great. Dwayne Stats from the Rays. Matt Kawahara. Matt Kawahara from the Chronicle, where you read him, get the Chronicle or sfgate.com. Uh, we also had Paul Blackburn. Uh, you might have heard of him. He's an A's pitcher. And we, you just heard Tommy Everett. Tomorrow, looking looking forward to tomorrow real quick. 5 o'clock, David Force will be on the field with us. Uh, Brody Brazil, yes, the other A's pre- and post-game host in the Bay Area. We know you do it for A's cast. Brody does it on television. Eno Saris is going to be here so we can talk to him about the humidor. Well, we got a lot to get. We got some bones and, to pick. And apparently, according to Brett Phillips, because I never heard anything, but Brett Phillips says he's coming on tomorrow. So I, the Rays haven't said anything to me, but uh, apparently they said something to him. Rays outfielder Brett Phillips came by and said he's coming on the program. Right? He told us here on the field. Do we relive Macho Man Randy Savage? Absolutely. Maybe I'll, I'll get the theme. We can play it for him. Love it. What a great show, the best show in baseball. You can't get any other show like this live from a field in Major League Baseball. You just can't. Coming up next, you're going to hear from the skipper, Mark Kotze, and then I'll be back at 540 with A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. We'll see everybody in about how long? Uh, 18 minutes. See you in 18 minutes right here on A's Cast. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into local Bay Area charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.